So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. So Sanctuary Church, if you're new, we're a Bible teaching church. So we read the Bible, then we explain the Bible, then we apply the Bible. That's what I mean by being a Bible teaching church. So it's one of our values is to teach the Scripture. So that's what we do every Sunday. So we're going to be reading from Joshua chapter 22. Uh, We're going to be looking at five foundations for following God. Five foundations for following God. Wherever you're at in your journey, your spiritual journey, these are the five foundations you can build your life upon to follow Christ. It's awesome. So if you're able to stand to your feet, we're going to read. If you're able to stand, if you're not, then just stay seated, and that's awesome too. So what we're going to do is we're going to fill God's house with God's Word. We're going to be encouraged by the public reading of the Scriptures. So the people of God are filling the house of God with the word of God. I'll read verses 1, 3, and 5. You can take 2, 4, and 6 and read loud. So I'm hoping to hear in the tent. I'm hoping to hear the tent drown me out. All right, here we go. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. During all this time, you've not deserted the other tribes. You've been careful to obey the commands of the Lord your God right up to the present day. Be very careful to obey all the commands and the instructions that Moses gave you. Love the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. Obey his commands. Hold firmly to him and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. So, Father, uh, we're so grateful to be here. We're grateful for those watching online, uh, those that are new to church, for every student every young adult, every adult, may they hear the voice of God through the scriptures. Lord, we stand in awe before you whose love endures forever, that you bring life that has no end, that you are a great and an awesome God, our healer and our provider, our protector, our shepherd, our everlasting father, our redeemer, our living hope. There is no one like you. And Father, I pray that as we open the scriptures that that the plow would be deep and that Go deep into our hearts that your word would come alive to us, that you would speak to us through the scripture about how then shall we live. Pray that you would do this and more in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed saying? So if you're just joining us, uh, we've been in the Old Testament book of Joshua. We're going through the book and we're going to do chapter 22 today. So basically there's four sections in Joshua. The first five chapters talk about the children of Israel being emancipated from Egypt, and then they're going to enter in into the promised land. So it's all about entering into the land, chapters 1 through 5. Then you have chapters 6 through 12, about all the obstacles and all the battles and all the fighting, and going in then and possessing the land, taking the land. And then the third section is uh, chapters 13 through 21. They're dividing up the land and who gets what. And then the last three chapters are all about, now that we're in the land, like, how do we live in the land? And how do we relate to God now that we're in the land? So that's what we're going to begin looking at now. We're going to do 22 and 23 and 24. And so they want to discover how is it that God has designed and God desires that we would live in the land? What is a relationship supposed to look like now that we're in the land? So it talks about what your relationship is supposed to look like. 
I want to talk about those five things, five foundations that you can build into your life about how to relate to God. So the history is this, is the children of Israel, uh, God shows up before, the, before them. He enters into their story there, and he makes himself known to them. He fights their battles. He spoke to them. He led them. He provided for them. He cared for them. He saved them. He set them free from slavery, part of the Red Sea, part of the Jordan River. Okay? And then he revealed himself to them, but also revealed themselves to themselves. Their sin was exposed there. The sin that was destroying them dealt with that. And now you have the holy, all-powerful creator of the cosmos who is communing with them. So Joshua now steps up and leads. And in section one and section two and section three, we heard the voice of God. Now he's gone, gone silent, and now we hear the leader's voice, Joshua. And so Joshua brings a word of encouragement for the, for the new beginning that they're going to experience in the promised land. Again, the land has been conquered and divided now. So Joshua now is speaking to 40,000 warriors who fought to secure Canaan. Now Joshua is affirming them. He's praising them. He's kind of high-fiving and sort of chest-bumping and affirming and commending and imparting to them words of encouragement as well as direction and wisdom in this farewell speech before they entered into the promised land. So you have three tribes then, which he's speaking to, of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's been seven years that they've been battling here. And so the farewell message now is gives the five foundations about how to relate to God, how they would relate and how we would relate. So have a look with me, please, if you would. Verse 1 here, if it looks on the screen, or you can look in your Bibles or smartphones, watch. It says, Then Joshua, after all that I just said, then Joshua called together, who did he call together? The three tribes of 40,000, the warriors that were fighting in Canaan, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Here's what happened to them. Here's what happened to them. Little backstory, then we'll be done with the stories, okay? Little backstory there. And so they're, the children of Israel, 12 tribes, come, and they see the promised land, and they're looking on the east side. There's, two, there's a Jordan River. There's the west side where Canaan lit was at. Then there's the east side where they, they came from. But they arrive there, these three tribes of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, and they look at the land, and they, like, go crazy. Because they had all these herds and livestock that this is it. Can you believe it? This is perfect. And so they go to Moses. Hey, Moses, there's some prime real estate there. We got mega herds. We got livestock. At first, Moses was like, no, I don't think so. But then he softened up and he said, okay, you can have it. But he said, I'm good. I'm good with it. But you can't bail on me when we go to fight the Canaanites. You got to lead. You got to cross the Jordan River. And you got to help spearhead the attack there. And so the, the privilege of occupying the land was based on the professional soldiers there would act as like a spear of advancing the army into Canaan. So under that understanding, he said yes there. And so now the men have fought the battle. The battle is over. They fought long and they fought hard for the victory. Now it's won. Now they're they were on the west side. They're going to go back to their families that they hadn't seen in seven years. 
to their wives they hadn't seen in seven years, and their children that had missed them for seven years. So you can imagine the emotion of this moment here, but now they're granted the opportunity to return to the east side of the Jordan River there with these three eastern tribes here in all of their military splendor there. Joshua is before them, before the heroic Israeli warriors, and he's going to speak to them after seven years, giving them a grand thank you, a a grand shout out for your service, for keeping the promises, for the battle that you fought. So he's affirming them and commending them and praising them for their loyalty and their faithfulness there uh, and giving them a massive corporate pat on the back saying thank you. But now listen to me, because what is so significant, that's just the history and I get the tad boring, but what is so significant then is how Joshua speaks to them. Because what Joshua speaks to them is what God wants to speak to you. The five foundations that they needed to build into their lives as they were entering into the promised land and for you, the promised life of following Jesus Christ. Watch verse two. He told them, you have done as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you have obeyed. Watch, what's that say? Look at that. Every order I've given you. So watch, everything that Moses said, you have done as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and they'd done it all. Then secondly, it says, and not only that, you've obeyed every order that I gave you. Moses was the leader, then he handed off to Joshua. So they have done everything that God asked of them, Moses asked of them, Joshua asked of them as the representatives of the Lord. So their track record is perfect here. How shall we then live? The Christian life, number one, is to obey. To obey God. To obey is better than sacrifice. And so how do you obey if you don't know what to obey? You obey what God has said, so you hear God's voice, then you do what he says. That's how you live a Christ-following life, hear God's voice. How do you hear God's voice? Well, God has spoken to us in the scriptures primarily. That's how you hear. You hear his voice there. But also, there is a still small voice, the promptings, the inner nudge of the Holy Spirit. God can make things real to you by his spirit where you feel like, eh, I shouldn't do that. or Oh, I need to do that. That's God dealing with you. His spirit speaks to you. God's the ultimate communicator. And so maybe it's through someone else. And so, uh, but we hear God's voice and do what he says here. So then uh, you are obeying when you do what God says. We all get this here. And so they're putting on a clinic in obedience. But how many people know that obedience is not automatic? How many people know that obedience, it's not automatic? Do you have kids? Anybody have kids? Okay. Do they come out of the womb like just obeying delightfully everything that you say? Or is it a different story? Don't raise your hands. It's a different story. Do you think when you come into the family of God, you just are obeying delightfully everything God says? You think you have to grow in it. How many people say you have to grow? You have to grow, right? Yeah, okay, so think about this. Think about this. Obedience is motivated by one way, by love for God. If you love God, Jesus said, you'll obey my commandments. Okay, if you love me, like you'll do what I say. Think about kids and think about, maybe think about you, like back in the day when you were dating or maybe you are dating and uh, perhaps your boyfriend or your girlfriend says, hey, could you fill in the blank? 
How many people know you're probably going to do it because you love them? It's easy to obey. Maybe take out the trash. You're like, yeah, I'll take out the trash. In fact, do you need me to do the dishes? And uh, does the floor need mopping? Some of you wives would love to hear your husband say that. You wouldn't know what to do. Uh, or say, hey, and you might even say, hey, I'll, I'll go, I'll wash the car. You want, you want me to wax it too? Why? Because you're in love. See, when you love God, you're more inclined to, to do his commands there. And so the Bible says this in Isaiah. Watch this. Isaiah said, Isaiah loved God, and Isaiah did what God asked. Isaiah said, then I heard the Lord asking me, should I send a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, yeah. Yeah, like, that's it. I said, here I am, send me. And I would just ask you in your own relational world there, perhaps you're a student. I wonder if you would have the disposition where you say, Lord, here I am, send me. Send me to the school, send me to, perhaps you're, you're, it's your work. Maybe you, you work it in and out. Here I am, Lord, but send me to do your work. Let me represent you there. I'll go, Lord, wherever you want me to go. You look at Nineveh, and, uh, and there was Jonah, and he said, Here I am, Lord, send somebody else. Like, I'm not into it. Uh, I'm not available. So how about you, when God makes something real to you, are you of the disposition where you would say, Here I am, Lord, Send me and I bring no requirements with my yes. Or do we put up the, you know, uh, figuratively speaking, the do not disturb sign. Like, uh, I don't have time. I'm not interested. I'm doing my own thing. James, the half-brother of Jesus, puts it this way. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. How many people know it's way easier to hear than to do? You realize that? It's way easier to hear because you can hear entertaining speakers. And you can, you can think, wow, that was awesome. I mean, I was laughing. That was great. But then to actually do it is a whole nother story. And so, uh, so we, generally speaking, we know way more and we hear way more than we do. That's why James, Pastor James, would say, hey, you need to, to balance the equation of not just hearing, but doing, because if all you do is you hear and you, you don't do, it says you are deceiving your own self. Because you think, man, right on, I went to church today. It's awesome. I, I, in fact, I've been going to church all the time, even like gave some money in the bucket there. And you think like, yeah, I'm doing really good, but you're not obeying and you can deceive yourself. And so additionally, the Bible says this, is that you need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help you to obey. Watch what it says in Ezekiel chapter 36. Look, everybody look up here. Now I will give you, God says to, to, uh, to the prophet Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart. When you come to me, not religion, but this is actually, you, you, you're in relationship with God. Here's what God does. I'll give you a new heart. You won't have that old heart, and I'll put a new spirit, my spirit within you. I'll download my Holy Spirit within you. And I will take out, like a surgery, like a divine surgery, I'll take out that stubborn, stony heart of yours, and I'll give you a new heart, a tender heart, a heart that is, that is responsive and sensitive to God. It's awesome. That's what God does. Now watch. And not only that, I'll put my spirit within you, and I'll cause you to walk in my statutes, my ways, that you would carefully obey my laws. Watch. There it is. Put my spirit within you, and look what happens. 
you obey. See the connection between the Spirit of God and obeying Him. I believe when you grieve the Holy Spirit, that when you distance yourself uh, by your life there, that there can be a distancing of the Holy Spirit. It affects then how you obey God. And so, my Spirit's within you and you will obey me. I believe obedience really is like an indicator of your being uh, of the, the Holy Spirit's work in your life there. So now let's look at verse 3. Joshua continues, memories commending them, 40,000 soldiers there. How do you live? Number one, you obey God. Foundation of following God, number one, obey him. Now we're going to unpack number two. During all this time, so you haven't deserted me. You could have gone AWOL. You could have bailed, but you never did that. You've been careful, there it is, to obey the commands of the Lord your God right up to this present day. Seven years, right up to this present day, you've been obeying. You're putting on a clinic for how to obey God. So he's shouting them out there, but he's saying, hey, mission accomplished here. The seven-year campaign coming to a conclusion here. Seven years of fighting, almost over. Family's going to be reunited together. Husbands are going to be reunited with their wives. It's going to be awesome here. But do you, the major battles are over. The warriors have been faithful and committed and loyal to the end here. And now Joshua, he's like giving him a salute. Now Joshua is like applauding to them for what they've done for seven years. And he says this in verse 4. And now the Lord your God has given you the other tribes rest as he promised them. So go back home to the land that Moses, servant of the Lord, gave you as your possession on the east side of the river. You've been battling the Canaanites on west. Now you're going back to those amazing farms and ranch land you had back on the east side. So after complimenting them, Joshua then says, now it's time to go home. Now it's time to enjoy your families. And God has given you rest. I want us to think about that because as part of the battle, God gives you a rest. Isaiah chapter 26, I think it is, verse 3 or 4 says, And thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Jesus will give us rest, give us his peace here. And there comes a time of rest in the midst of the battle there. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden and weary, and I will give you rest. But watch, you have to come to me. I wonder if in the busyness of life, we just live in that space of turmoil and the battle still raging and a lack of rest because as a lifestyle, we don't come to him. And so the battle, do you think the battles were still uh, raging out there? There were still battles to be fought. Yes, there were. There were still enemies in the land. Do you think the enemy still wanted to take them out? Yeah, there was, that, was still that dynamic. Do you think in your life that even though when you come to Christ, there are battles to be fought, Ephesians 6, you know, put on the full army of God, that you might, you know, be able to battle against, you know, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and all. Yeah, all that's real, okay? But in the midst of that, and let your feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, 
There's the peace of God. The peace of God protects your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So coupled with the battle is also the peace of God there. And so all, all that to say this is that life should not be a perpetual battle. Life should not be an unending battle. But with entering into the promised land comes a warning of the reality that there will still be a battle, but God gives you the rest. So now Joshua's heart is going to be on full display, which is the heart of God being on full display toward the children of Israel from the three tribes. So this is not just for them, but this is for you, for your life today. And Joshua says to them, but watch, what's it say? Be very careful. Do you think they needed to hear that? Do you think like maybe we need to hear that from time to time? Like be careful. Do you think they were at risk of drifting? Do you think they were at risk of maybe not being careful? Yes. Why would God would not waste time there saying, look, you need to be very careful to obey all the commands and the instructions that Moses gave to you. And so they need to be very careful. And Joshua now is going to, the words that he's going to unload here are loaded. That, this scripture is loaded here. So we're going to drop anchor. And we're going to spend some time here because these words matter so much for your life. I would go this far to say that your life, uh, your Christ-following life, would be much better if you would do what he talks about here. So these words are going to have a massive impact on them, on the future of the nation. These words would have a massive impact on your future also. So all that God has done for them is summarized in a single call. Hey, you, be careful. In the original language, it means this. Be exceedingly careful. Pay extremely close attention to what is going to be said here. Here are the foundational pillars of following God in the land. Here's the foundational principles, pillars for you to follow Christ in the promised land, your promised land. That is, here's the big five, the big five directives. How then should we live? This is how we should live. Number one, love the Lord your God. Number two, walk in all his ways. Number three, obey his commands. Number four, cling to him. Number five, serve him with all your heart and all your soul. There it is. So God wants, number one is, love the Lord your God. That is to surrender with him all of your being, all of who you are here, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Be very careful to remember this because I can think to myself, yeah, Rod Collins, you're doing okay. And God's like, no, Ron, you're not doing okay. You need to surrender all your heart and all your mind to me here. Sanctuary, this is for us. Everybody watching online, this is for us. This is God's calling to you to walk with him. Watch. Joshua 22, it's an ancient window. 3,500-year-old ancient window into which we're, we're, we're peering but it is a modern reality, real-time reality for all of us. Just like God's people then in ancient Israel, that was their story. This is our story. 
Okay, we're entering into a promised life, them the promised land here. We've been set free like they were set free. We've been set free from the slavery of sin. Our lives parallel their lives. The Bible said these things were written for us. And so the question then, the same question for them, same question for us, how do you enjoy God? How do you not just go through the motions of devotion? How do you actually enjoy God? How do you actually become fully satisfied in Him, in Christ? That we don't, you know, fall prey to all the stuff of the world then that lies to us over and over about about the phony efficacy that's going to quench the thirst of our soul. When it leaves us nothing but thirsting for more, but promises you everything but delivers nothing. How do you survive in the culture? How do you live long-term in the land for which God intended? How do you be salt and light in the earth? How do you, how do you not just say, I'm going to put a dent in the darkness, but I'm going, to, I'm going to push back the darkness? How do you make a, an impact in the city here? How do you live a life that, that God intended and God desires for you to live here? And so what God did then for ancient Israel is he tells them. And God tells us, here it is. So just like God spoke to ancient Israel and gives them a divine word, God has done the same for us. And so be very careful, I'm telling you. Be very careful not to miss this. So just be careful. Pay attention. Don't fall asleep at the wheel on me, he's saying here. I need you to be very careful. So remember the commandment, love the Lord your God with everything that's within you. Now you'd say, well, what does love mean? That's like agape, right? No, it has nothing to do with that. It's an all-encompassing Hebrew word, which means, listen, obey God with everything that's within you. Walk in his ways and cling to Christ and serve God. But it's a summary of what you're called to do as a Christ follower. And how many people know it doesn't just happen? Do you think these things just happen in your life? No, they don't here. And so let's not kid ourselves. That's why it says, look, you got to be very careful here. Because by nature, the speaker this morning is careless. By nature, the speaker this morning will drift. Oh, I can be well-intentioned and I can be sincere and all that. But I can, in the chambers of my heart, maybe not discernible to you, but in the chambers of my heart where you would never know. I can get up here and talk to you, but I can begin to drift. And so I need to be very careful here because I can drift. In the Bible, over and over again, it repeats itself that we're capable of drifting. So be very careful here. Jesus one day was asked, hey, to detail the greatest commandment that God ever gave. What's what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, to love God with with everything that's within you. And friends, watch. It's a foundational call to do this for everyone that follows him. This is core curriculum foundational here. How shall we live to love God with all your heart? What does that mean? With your inner person, with all your mind and all your will and all your understanding. You know, it's like, think about it when you were a kid and you're going to go in the pool there and you stick kind of your big toe in the water and somebody comes up and pushes you in or something. Well, it's like, you're not sure if you want to be all in. Well, this is saying, hey, 
Don't kind of love God there, holding back, being careful. Just going to check the temperature with my big toe. No, this is talking about, man, back in the day when you're like, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to do a cannonball. Remember those days? And you jump and you go up into the air and you hit it and you hit the cannonball. Just say like, hey, yeah, love God like, like a cannonball jumping into the water. Don't hold back with a big toe testing the temperature all the time. Look, look love God with all your soul. Love God with all yourself. Love God with all your life. Love God with all your person, with all your appetite, with all your being, with all your, your desire, with all your emotion, with all your passion. Love God with everything that's within you. This, friends, is how we're to live. This, friends, is a foundation for the Christ-following life. So this is what I know to be true. Is there just like, my wife's not here. She was here in the first service, so I'm going to say something I didn't say in the first service. Because I would hear about it when I get home, okay? And I know she's not watching online, so, but here's the reality. Here's the reality. My wife wants all of me. I know that to be true. She doesn't want half of me. She wants all of me. That's how it is with God. God is a jealous God, and he wants all of you to love him with your whole heart. So the commandment is also an invitation. It's an invitation to the life, really, that you crave. It's an invitation to to what you crave. An invitation to exist moment by moment in communion with the living God himself. That's loving God with all your heart. The holy God that really, think about it, we should have no right even to approach him. Where we, where the Bible says, draw near to God by James and he'll draw near to you. Like that is just like amazing that a holy God, that it could even be a reality here, that he would give us access there in the holy of holies. The veil was rent from top to bottom, signifying that now after the death of Christ, you have full access into the holy of holies, the very presence of God there. And this is actual, real-time reality here that people like you and me, broken people, come alive in Christ, and we have the, are filled with the Holy Spirit here. And I mean, watch, you had nothing to do with it. You came here this morning because you wanted to go. You didn't wake up and go, you know what, there's nothing to do. I think, yeah, what, what should we do, honey? Yeah, let's go to church. No, you came because you, you wanted to come, or perhaps you were invited by a friend. But that's God's Spirit at work within you. And Jesus didn't stop with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He continued and he said this, watch, and love, watch, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you realize the implications here? Do you realize what it's saying here? That there's always something that happens when you begin to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That it doesn't stop with you. That your values change. Your story changes, your desires change, and lives then are rearranged by the love of God. And at the center of it all, one of the most life-altering aspects of experiencing actual communion with the living God is the radical reorientation of our relationships. Begins with you loving God, but it doesn't stop there. 
Do you realize that your communion with God not only impacts you, but impacts everybody around you? Like how you commune with God impacts me. How I commune with God impacts you. So, you know, we don't live as islands here. And so there's a community that happens. It doesn't happen anywhere else. You know, CrossFit's awesome. I used to do CrossFit. I'm not now, but I used to do it. It was awesome. I loved it. And, uh, you know, community centers, it's awesome. And YMCA, all that, it's awesome. There's a community that happens in God's church. It doesn't happen anywhere else. So what we do, what we do with communion with God, just never forget, he says, love God, it'll affect others. So how shall we live? We obey God. We love God. Foundation number three in following him says, watch, walk in all his ways. Not just some of his ways. It's a tall order. Walk in all his ways. Do you know what that means? Is that something that you do or is that a lifestyle? That's a lifestyle. It says he's inviting you into a lifestyle. Okay, and so just don't do what God says, but do it as he would do it. His ways. That changes it. So what a picture of what God desires for our lives. Walking with him step by step. The Bible says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. See, he's our life. And so walk in all his ways here, whether you understand it or not, whether it makes sense to you or not. Because sometimes we're like, yeah, I'll do it, but, but I don't understand. Okay, that's not what he's asking of you. That's not one of the directives. That's not how you're to live. Well, I don't understand God, so, so I get an accent on this one. No, you just walk in what he says, whether you understand it or not. Number four, he says this. Hold firmly or cling to Christ to stay close, to stick with, to follow closely, literally in the original hang Hebrew language means to cleave to, to be glued together, to be glued like always, a radical, of a radical unity with God here. And so it speaks of an intimate relationship with the Almighty with no gaps, with no openings between you and Him. So I'm going to illustrate this. You good for an illustration? Thank you, Diane. Uh, over here, do you have time for an illustration? You love illustrations, right, over here? More than they do, don't you? I think so. So I'm going to illustrate this way. So at one point in your life, this was your reality. God somewhere seems like off in the cosmos, and you down here, but then because of Jesus Christ, he brings the sinner and reconciles, redeems them to God. The reality is this, is in the Christian life, you don't always feel like this, do you? Some days you may feel like this. Other days you feel like this. Other days that was a bad day. You really messed up. You screwed that thing. And you feel like he's up there in the cosmos and you're down here. When the Bible says number four directive of this is how you're to live, the foundation says to cling to or literally food to God. And so I'm going to illustrate it this way. This is, this is what it means here. It means that, means to God then wants you by a dynamic and work of his spirit here that we don't even fully understand how this could be, 
But here's what it means. Here's what the original language means that we are glued to. Okay, there it is. And I have the plane above just for added effect. And so here it is. But here's God. Here's you. Directive number four to the 40,000 warriors before they go into the land is that you would be cling to the Almighty. Like that's your life. In good times and bad times, that's your life. That's you, not just when you know you're doing good, when you're doing really bad. That's a picture of your life. Glued to, clinging to Almighty God. And so that's what God has for them in the promised land, is you would cling to the Almighty. And so, number five here, foundation for following God. How shall we then live? Number five is to serve God. Serve Him with all your heart and all your soul. So God's will is that He doesn't want to settle for just part of us and our response in serving Him but that he's got all of us. So it means wholehearted, whole-souled, all of you, all that is within me is serving you with all that I am. So it's personal between you and God, your heart and your soul. Like you're full into it, not because, oh, you know, one person kept bugging me, so I got to do this thing. It's not like that. It's like... uh, your law became the delight and the joy of my heart. There's a joy in doing it. And so then Joshua closes this way, verse 6. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went home. 40,000 men who've been at war, now going home seven years, actually 47 years together. Now it's time to say goodbye. A watch. It's a very emotional moment. It's an emotional moment. He's locking eyes with 40,000 warriors, Joshua to them. And so his heart now is such that he doesn't just say, you crushed it, you rocked it, I don't know. No, 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 look at his heart. This is the heart of God, watch. His heart was such that he blessed them. He said, you're not leaving without my blessing. So see, when we, we do that here, or we do that every, every Sunday, we want church to be more than a sit and sing event. We want to do this, Joshua 22.5. I want to bless you. So for me, it's personal. It's personal. I personally think about you during the week, and I personally, I want you to be blessed. So it is my honor, every opportunity that I get, to bless you. But that's why we say if you'd position yourselves for this blessing. That's what Joshua did here. And so Joshua wanted to pray God's blessing over them, prayed passionately to protect. God would protect them and prosper them. And I don't know what all that he did in, in the blessing because it's not recorded here, but I know it was good. And so that's what we're going to do with you. And so we're going to pray God's blessing over your life, over your family, over your school, uh, that you can be who God wants you to be, and you can do what God wants you to do like his concluding blessing over their lives. We're going to do that in just a moment. But if you stand to your feet, we're going to worship, and then we're going to 
bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can stay close to you. Thank you, Lord, that we can cling to you like we're glued to you, that we can be intimate with you. No gaps, no distance, only nearness to you like like every day. So God, would you pour yourself out on us? Would you build us up? Would you break strongholds that hold us back? Uh, That there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, that by your grace, we would obey you. By your grace, we would love you. We would walk in your ways. We would cling to you and we would serve you. And may it be so in Jesus' name. Amen.